This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went try to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey everybody, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Go to the website and sign up for a free call to talk story with me. Also, if you got any questions, email me. I'm looking for some Ask Lane show questions. And make sure you guys go to the website and sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club for access to the deals I come across. Today, I'm interviewing Matt Orff, who used to be a continuous improvement engineer, similar to like myself education-wise, but he didn't think that was the greatest, and he left, and now he's real estate investing. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great, Lane. How are you? I'm doing awesome. It's lunchtime. And I've got to get back to work soon, but you can keep living the dream. How much simple passive cash flow are you making today and how are you doing it? So it depends. We have a couple of different revenue streams that come in passively. But, you know, if I was going to say in general from my private investments, without my partner investments, I'd say we're, we're doing close to about five to 6000 a month in passive income. What's the breakdown? Because, you know, you're doing some active stuff. You started like myself and you did a lot of passive investing. Maybe You know, when I started, it was all around flips. I started doing a lot of flips and then really started to understand that no matter how many flips you did, once you got done, you always had to find other deals. And so for me, I started to focus primarily on, you know, rental properties and, and passive income to get to that certain freedom number of passive income to, to make sure that I had that money coming in every single month to live the lifestyle that I desired. So basically I just set that number for myself and continue to work to that goal. And then we can build that goal um, higher as we, we go. That's what we do. So, you know, started out with just flips. And like I said, the buy and holds started to come about. So, you know, anywhere in, in Kansas City, you're really looking at properties you can pick up from thirty dollars to $60,000 for a three-bed, two-bath house. We'll pick those up at a discount primarily through wholesalers. My construction company will come in and do the rehab and will then refinance those out into a longer term note, what's commonly referred to, thanks to bigger pockets, as the Burr method. Um, we just do that over and over again. So, you know, one property can generate anywhere between, depends on how much leverage you have, obviously, but anywhere between two to $500 in cash flow per month. And that's really primarily where the passive income comes in for me today is the rental properties. I also have income that comes in, which isn't really passive, but I'm a real estate investing coach for new real estate investors who want to learn how to build their portfolio through real estate and earn passive income so they can do like I did and leave the rat race and quit their job if they desire. And then they can invest in real estate full time or really live the lifestyle that they truly want to live. We mentioned earlier on the call that we we can set something up where some of the passive investors from Simple Passive Cashflow can work with some of your students who are doing this under the tutorial of someone with who's been doing this, like yourself, and they can buy up some of the properties long term once the flip is completed. Yeah, Lane, we would definitely appreciate that, and we would love to work with any other investors that are out there that are looking to put their funds to better use. You know, typically. We're giving, we're working with a lot of private investors right now. We can have those conversations offline with those investors if they're interested in doing some passive investing and in passive income portfolios with uh, any of my clients or myself. So, yeah, it works out really well. 
So Matt, what is your Han Solo moment? And if you don't know what that is, uh, Han Solo and his buddy Chewbacca from Star Wars were cruising around the galaxy as low-life smugglers, but then crossed paths with Luke and Leia and their lives took a pivot point. Describe the time in your life where you took a pivot point of your own to lead you to what you're doing today. Well, first off, I am a huge and always have been a huge Star Wars fan, so I totally know what the Han Solo moment is. But uh, for myself, you know, I had, I worked for corporate Harley-Davidson Motor Company, and I worked for them for 17 and a half years. And I currently, you know, I got to a point after that 17 and a half years where I just, I knew I wasn't happy with with where I was in my career. And uh, someone near and dear to me asked me the question, do you love your job? And basically had to stop and think about it for a minute. And I honestly don't think that I ever really thought too long and hard about it. Do I love my job? It was just a job that you know, I did every day over and over again. So at that minute, I had a little bit of time to do some soul searching and I just really <laughs> decided that I hated my job. It really didn't, it wasn't congruent with who I was and what I wanted and how I wanted to live my life. And, you know, you start asking those questions, well, how the hell did I get here? You know, 17 and a half years later, here I am. This isn't really what, what I want to do. And I've done everything that everybody told me to do, you know, get, graduate high school, graduate college, put all your money in 401k and savings and buy a big house and car and have, get married and have kids. And then at that point, you know, you get to that point where you you just realize that it's not really what you you desire. So for me, at that moment, that was really my Han Solo moment. I knew that that's not where I wanted to be. And, you know, after 2007, 2008, I lost half my 401k in the stock market and started doing some self-education around alternative investments. And real estate really caught my eye. I read, you know, Steph Cordad like many, many other people. And that planted the seed for me. And I, I fell in love with it. So I knew that after I was asked that question, do you love your job? And I said, no, that person said, she's my fiance now, by the way. But she asked me, she said, well, what are you going to do about it? I said, well, I guess I'm going to leave my job. So the next Monday I walked into my boss's office and basically handed him my two week notice. And he said, oh my God, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know, but it's not this. And so I, two weeks later, I was walking out a door that I had gone into for 17 and a half years for, you know, 50, 60 hours a week, some days not even seeing the sun. And I walked out of it for the last time and I felt like the world's weight had lifted off my back, but it was scary as hell. It was, uh, you know, you start going through all those emotions of what if it doesn't work out? What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? But, you know, for me at the time, jumping out of that airplane without a parachute was fueled me to really make it happen. I wasn't going to fail. I had to, had to survive. So really for me, it forced me to figure things out quickly and make stuff happen. So it was the best thing that, that ever happened to me in my life, really. And, you know, there's a handful of really great things that have happened to me in my life, and that's probably one of them. So a lot of times, you know, there's resistance. And, you know, obviously in this case, you didn't like what you're doing. And the resistance can come from an internal place or external place. I mean, I've say like 99% of people, it comes from an external place. Like they get fired or somebody dies or a kid gets born and they make a choice. I think you're running into the, probably the second person who did what you did. And being an engineer type, like it seems really out of character. What was your internal thought process there? <laughs> I mean, did you have anything... Do you have like gold bullions stacked underneath your bed or something like that? Or like... <laughs> no, not at all. I, I wish that was the case. And any of my clients that I coach, I always 
tell them not to do what I did. You make sure that you have a plan and uh, you know, in parallel, try to start investing and in creating your passive income now while you have a current job so that when you reach that number, you can then exit it with, with a steady income stream. So for me, no, I did not have gold bullions underneath my bed. I had a, a 401k that I actually cashed out and I had some savings um, and I really, none of that matters because for me it was, I haven't used one penny of my own money in real estate investing and building what I have. It's always been using leverage of other people's time and other people's money. So I teach that, I encourage that. It's definitely the fastest way to grow. And for me at the time, it was the only way to grow. So I had to leverage that a lot and uh, it worked out really well. Did you ever think and evaluate like, okay, I have this much saving. I could chug along for two or three years until my business finally takes off. Is there ever that thought process? That thought process didn't happen for me because for me, it was just, you know, I have a certain level of lifestyle that I live today working for corporate America. And this was my thought process then. And I still wanted to maintain that, that level of lifestyle. I wasn't going to allow myself to live any less than where I was. It was really a, um, you know, not on my watch type of, of thing where I wasn't going to sacrifice my level of lifestyle because of my, the job that I had or the way I had income coming in. So for me, I just had very high goals right off the bat that I needed to get done and have, you know, figure it out and figure out how I'm going to bring in that level of income that I was making when I was in corporate America. So, you know, right off the bat, I had to hit the ground running and start making stuff happen. And we learned a lot in the first, you know, two, three flips. And um, once we did that, we had some cash that was that had come in off of our profits that sustained us for a while. And then, you know, it was strictly buy and hold focus. And that's where we've been ever since. Were you always, uh, was this out of character for you? It was totally out of character for me. I think a lot of people, especially my family at the time, were like, are you crazy? You have a great job with great benefits and you know, regular pay. But it wasn't making me happy. It wasn't satisfying me. And we only live once. So it was totally out of character for me just to, to jump out of the airplane and not just stay where I was in that comfort zone of a corporate job. Yeah, I've been pondering the same subject lately. And I did a speech on reasons why you should stay at your day job. Just to put a little bit of counter argument in there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, props to you. So what's your uh, worst life or business moment and what did you do after and what was the lesson learned? That's a good question. I don't know if I have an answer for you on that one. I look at everything as a learning experience. You know, I, I can't really think of anything that I would classify as bad business decision other than, you know, I mean, things happen, right? But how we deal with those things is what's truly important. So for me, you know, even if I was going to say that, you know, one of my business ventures didn't turn out exactly the way I it was. I thought it was going to happen. Then shame on me, or or what am I going to do to improve that process next time so it turns out better? You know, I can give you an example of my first flip. You know, I bought it. It was a discount. We had no history or experience with the real estate agent, with the foundation guys, with anyone, and we were just you know, going off of trust and faith that these guys were telling us the truth. And I bought a foreclosed property that probably sat there for two to three years vacant. The gutters were completely full. The roof was bad. You name it. And it had quite a bit of foundational issues. And we didn't lose any money in, in the end, but we didn't make what we thought we were going to make. But I, I mean, that was quite the learning experience for me. Um, 
through all of those quote mistakes, if you will. So I look at it as a learning experience. I chalk it up to that, and and uh, <laughs> you know it is what it is. If it doesn't kill us, it makes it strong, us stronger. So that's the way I look at it. Something I notice of successful people is that they look back on their life and all the turns and all the bad things that sort of happened and they see like what has come of those and they just build this like sort of like muscle. Now when something bad happens, they're just so robust and they see it as an opportunity because it's going to take them to the next level. I mean, it's similar to the guy that, uh, you know, has all this muscle in the gym as opposed to the other guy who's just like, you know, super frail and like just gets totally abbreviated when something small happens. Yeah, for sure. I agree. But what's your current two-week experiment and six-month project? I am currently focused on uh, a six-month project of putting a syndication together in Belize. And it's an amazing investment opportunity. It's a, such a beautiful space down there. So, you know, I really, really enjoy our time down there. But we are looking at, at uh, some investments down there and putting together a syndication. So if anyone's interested, they can contact me and we can have further conversations. And what is your simple passive cash flow number? And imagine you had two times that amount. Describe your ideal day, detailed routine, and what projects you'd be working on at that point. You know, for me, I'm pretty much at my cash flow number, getting really close to it at least. But once I get there, I'm not going to stay there. It's going to grow. My goal is going to grow. My goal is going to change because it's always about continuous improvement. So, you know, for me, I'm almost living the perfect day of how I want to live my life today. I wake up in the morning, usually around six o'clock, gone to bed maybe at 11 the night before. And every morning I start my, my mornings off the same way. I, I'll do my alarm will go off, I'll meditate, I'll do some breathing exercises, maybe some yoga, look at some my goals. Where am I going? What am I doing? What am I focused on? Review my schedule, what do I got going for today, and then look at, ahead at tomorrow, see what we need to work on today to make sure that tomorrow we've got everything ready for whatever meetings or, or whatnot tomorrow. And then, like affirmations, daily affirmations, what am I focusing on? Maybe where, how do I want to set my brain straight for the day? What track do I want to get it in and what groove? But um, other than that, I wake up, get my bulletproof coffee every morning. I do intermittent fasting, so I don't eat anything till about 11 or 8. I'm sorry, 11 or noon. Uh, it's about eight hours worth of, well, it's more than that. I, I don't eat anything past 8 p.m. the night before, and then I'll. Uh, my first meal will be about 11 or noon the following day, but I'll just have bulletproof coffee in the morning, do intermittent fasting. So that's really my morning. Spend time with our girls, getting them ready for school, get them out the door. Then I work on real estate investing items. So it's either flips, rentals, coaching others on how to build their portfolios and how they can craft their action plan to get out of the rat race like I did. And I also coach small businesses and other business coaches on how to build systems and processes to reduce the waste and uh, increase profits in their businesses. That's that's really what I'm, I do. I do that all the time. I try to set boundaries around how often I work and what hours I'm working and what hours I'm not working. But, um, you know, as, as a multiple business owner, that's tough sometimes. Sometimes you have to put fires out outside of those work hours. So, um, but... You know, I'd rather work 24 hours a day on something that's mine that I love than, than on someone else else's projects or someone else's business that's really benefiting, benefiting them and not 
about me. So I do a lot of reading, a lot of podcasts. But um, yeah, that's, that's about what I do. When I got smart and sold my primary residence to start investing in investments that actually made sense, whoo, I needed a place to diversify quickly as opposed to some money market or some high reward checking account. Let's face it, turnkey rentals are cool and syndications are great, but they don't come around often. I stumbled upon the American Homeowner Preservation Fund. The owner, George Newmary, once apartment syndicator too, is now sponsoring the podcast. His fund cuts the middleman out to crowdfund the solution to the mortgage crisis in America. They are empowering you to fund the purchase of distressed mortgages and earn returns that smoke any other passive fund. If you find something else better out there, let me know. Oh yeah, they work with families to keep them in their home after buying the underwater note at a huge discount. It's an opportunity to make an impact on families and communities while earning returns. Start investing with as little as 100 bucks in investinhp.com. If you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. How many uh, meals are you doing a day? You got the bulletproof coffee in the morning and then... I mean, right now I eat an early dinner. I call it the simple passive casual latte because I use some different <laughs> things. Then I have lunch and dinner, but I'm thinking about kicking lunch out and just going yeah. on one. I've often thought about doing one. I'll do, uh, I like to eat, you know, that's, <laughs> I love food. For me, that's really difficult, but some days, you know, it'll be two o'clock and I'm like, oh man, it's two o'clock. I haven't eaten anything. So I'll eat at two and then maybe a light dinner but usually it's a heavy lunch a bigger lunch you know maybe a just a regular dinner and then after eight o'clock maybe right before eight i'll have a snack and then that's it so typically two meals a day and a snack somewhere in there yeah personally i like the idea of just like binging and just eating like as much as i can like going you can go to like all you can eat place like a korean barbecue and just like don't have to eat you can just eat one meal save money (laughs) for sure i don't focus on saving money too much i focus on how to bring in more money every as much as i possibly can but i totally hear you i think uh you know binging on one meal if you can do it more power to you yeah So something that you recently thought about burning your cash on for time savings or an improvement in quality of life? I am always trying to improve systems and processes and automate things as much as possible. So right now I'm I'm in the process of redesigning a website, my personal website, coaching website at uh, mattorf.com. It's not launched yet. And so I have a lot of affiliate programs uh, that I'm associated with. I'm, I'm also a bulletproof coach and training So a lot of affiliation with those types of products and hacks, biohacks, those types of things. So when I look at investing in systems that can automate those processes of generating emails uh, that I don't have to do individually or follow-ups, those types of things, or even using Calendly to, to have people be able to schedule meetings with me through my calendar, you're familiar with it. I see you're using it too, but it's, you know, just those simple things like that. I know Calendly is free. There's not really an investment there, but all those types of things really save your time. And time is our most valuable asset. We all have 24 hours in a day, but we can't buy any more time, right? Every single day. So the more I can free up to have on my own more time to do what I really desire to do, that's my main goal. So, you know, I'm really looking at automating systems more 
and leveraging VAs, virtual assistants. We're actually in the process of hiring three positions right now on our construction services side of the business. And some of that work that is currently on my plate will be offloaded onto some of the new employees. So I think that's my biggest investment right now. It just had, we haven't pulled the trigger, but we're, we are interviewing right now. I've been doing the same thing with the VAs, just kind of thinking what the heck they can do for me. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I mean, you, you and I are pretty similar people with similar educations and backgrounds. I mean, when something, a system happens or there's an exception, we fix it, but like you make it better and you make it stronger and you, you clean things up and build the process to circumvent that from happening. Yeah, for sure, because you know it's going to come up again. If it failed once, it's going to fail a second time. I mean, me <laughs> second time. Like me and you get so annoyed when someone is like, okay, what time are you free? And it's like, good God, like it's 2017. Let's use like a calendar scheduler. I do look at it as an opportunity for education and, uh, you know, giving them the opportunity to learn something through that. But yeah, it's, you're totally right. It's like, you know, there are systems and processes. You hear the phrase, there's an app for that. Right. I mean, there are systems and processes processes for damn near everything now, and it's just a matter of becoming aware of what's out there and then implementing in, them into your processes and systems that you already have existing, so that you can free up more time. Yeah, I need to get more patient. <laughs> <laughs> Meditation. Yeah, that helps out. So, with that theme, something that you've recently changed your mind on, since the ego is usually what gets in the way of improvement. Well, you know, I think we've we've somewhat touched on it already, and that's really just the fact that I don't have to do everything. You know, I, I have a problem. Um, well, I wouldn't say I have a problem, but I have I've had issues in the past with relinquishing control of things that I was responsible for. I've always heard, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, when developing standard processes and standard process controls basically design it around what your desired outcome is and make sure that it's a repeatable process so that whoever's stepping into that role can make sure that the outcome is exactly what you were looking for and you're not disappointed. You know, my belief of, oh, I got to I gotta do everything myself, that's really been challenged lately because I'm focusing more on how can I free up more time for myself. And in order to do that, I actually have to let go of some things. And so for me, it's been somewhat challenging uh, to do that, but very rewarding on the other hand. It's been a really good learning experience for me. I see that a lot in other people, you know, with this VA stuff. We try and get them hooked up with using those folks, and people are like, okay, you know, they're charging me six bucks an hour, but, like, how do we know where they're working, you know? Like, I'm like, well, <laughs> the job is getting done. You know, I'll level with you. Maybe they're screwing off portion of that time. But look, like I mean, you're like a computer programmer making like two hundred bucks an hour or whatever. You don't have any time after you do that and like I know there's a lot of us that's at W two jobs that we're screwing up majority of the time. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Becomes I mean that's what happens. That's what happens when you're an employee. Just be thankful that you don't pay them overtime because we know what happens in that. I mean, I worked in construction. When overtime happens, it's like, ooh. Productivity really falls off, yeah. Yeah. Last question here is that Tony Robbins identifies two large concepts that we're continually struggling to gain perfection at. The first is the art of fulfillment, and the second is the sense of achievement. 
if you die tomorrow and I email this to your uh, unborn kids several decades later, what would they hear? So first, what is your secret or hack to the science of achievement? We talk about what morning or nighttime rituals that I do or secret hacks or habits, um, the science of achievement, like how to achieve anything. Right? It's really just deciding well, what do you want? What do you truly want and desire? Because if you don't know that, how the heck are you going to get there? It's like when you're trying to plan a vacation. If you don't select the destination of where you want to go, you can't plan anything around it. So you really have to do this deep soul searching of, well, what do I really desire in my, my life to look like? Or what do I really want to have happen in my life? And then once those things are established, you've heard me say it on this podcast a hundred times, but systems and processes, right? You create the systems and processes and the action plan to get you there. It's really the roadmap to get you to your vacation destination. And until you have that conversation with yourself, and you draw the line in the sand, and you decide where you really want to be or what you want your life to look like, you're never going to get there. So really, I think that's a number one that uh, people might say, you know, that you have the opportunity to decide what you want to do in your life in regards to everything. We only live once, so you better make it work and make it work well and, and be happy and fulfilled. So, you know, I think that's a number one. And the way I do a lot of that to stay on track is, is like I said at the beginning of our conversation here, it's the, the daily and it's just really the daily review of what your goals are. So what where are you trying to get to? What are you trying to do? And making sure that you're staying on track every day and you're taking these small, steady, actionable steps every single day to get there. It's nothing more than that. It's, it's no more difficult than that. I think you and I will both agree that the goals is super important. Now, how do you coach someone and they sort of have a glass ceiling on their goals? Like, you know, they say, well, you know, maybe I'll retire in 20 years or this is really all I want. I'm truly happy. When I coach others, the first thing that we do is we try to get them out of that paradigm because that's really where they're at. And that paradigm typically comes from what was imposed on them from their parents or, you know, whoever raised them. It's their family history that is their, their belief system where they're at now. And we've got to get them out of that. So we have an exercise that we have them do on even before we start the program. It's called the a money map. And basically it's where, you know, it's, it's a three tab worksheet that lists where they at today. And that exercise really forces them to gather all of their, uh, you know, their assets and liabilities, their income streams, and then put it all on paper. Get it organized so you can understand where are you at today. Then there's a third, we hop over to the third tab, and that's really what your ultimate money goal in life financially looks like. And we have them fill that out. So I always use the example of, you know, if you really want to drive a Lamborghini, then why can't you drive a Lamborghini? Oh, it's just a matter of not making enough money? Okay, great. Put on your ultimate goals that you want to drive a Lamborghini. Do a Google search and see how much a damn Lamborghini costs and then divide it out by monthly payments. Okay, cool. Fill in that blank. And then you do that with every line item on there about how you really want to live your life, where you live in, how are you living it, how often do you travel, or what are you eating every day, who are you waking up with every morning, you know, where really just what do you desire truly in your life and then list out what those expenses would be for that desired life. And then at the end of the spreadsheet, you can really just do the math. Well, how much money do you need every single month? 
to live that lifestyle. And once they get that, it may feel really, really like a pie in the sky to them at that time, but it gets them out of that glass ceiling mindset of, oh, I can only make this much because this is where I am today and it's the best place that I've ever been. You can still go forward and, and have a better lifestyle or a greater lifestyle, whatever that means to that person, and create more income doing it. And we do that through through real estate investing and passive income. So I think that's how we try to break that paradigm of my clients when we start. Now, what do you say when someone's like, well, I don't want to drive a nice car to work and everyone's going to like say things about me or that's still on their paradigm. You know, it's still, what are their internal beliefs about themselves? You know, why? I think the question comes up, well, well why do you feel that way? <laughs> it almost sounds like a, a therapy session, but it kind of is, you know, I mean, why do you have these beliefs and why do you even care what other people care about what kind of car you drive? Or why do you care what other people say about you? Or why do you care what other people think? And it's really just unpeeling that onion and getting down to the root cause of that stuff. So not only do we just do real estate investing coaching, we do uh, we do personal growth coaching through that whole process as well. Yeah, I always call it the uh, the social mass paradigm where you have a social mass that you put on in front of us and the authentic self. And if they're not aligned, you're not happy, but most people are super separated. For sure. There's a huge disconnect there. It's really just just understanding, you know, I guess it's really to put it simple, it's to take away that gap between the two. So what's your secret hack to the art of fulfillment? I mean, you're just making all this money. I mean, when is enough enough? I don't think it's really just about, you know, I'm not going to be fulfilled once I hit my freedom number. I mean, I definitely will be fulfilled, but that's not it. You know, I think the fulfillment is you also have to have something that's greater than yourself that you're working towards. So for me, it's really the legacy of what I'm leaving behind or the building that I'm building to leave behind when I'm gone, something to pass down. And I look at real estate investing, not just from a monetary standpoint, but also that I am supplying safe, quality, great housing for people that either just want to rent or buy if it's a flip, or if, you know, maybe they don't have, maybe something's happened in their life where they can't go out and get a loan. And so they have to rent. Well, just because their credit score doesn't look as good as someone who could go out and buy a, a new house or a house that I'm flipping. So I look at you know the fulfilling thing for me in having passive income properties. It's not just the passive income monetarily for myself, but being able to provide safe, quality, affordable, quality, completely renovated homes that are like a brand new house, but giving those opportunities to people who are looking for a place to live, a place to rent, um, just like if they were going to go buy a house. So just because they can't afford to get a loan because of their credit you know, issues in the past or whatever, they still desire a, a good place to live, and they should be able to, to live in a nice, safe place. So I feel that we're giving back to the Kansas City area by providing these these homes, these great rental properties. We're, we're very particular on the finishes and the types of properties that we do hold in our portfolios. We do a very good job at the rehabs and we have very high standards. So to me, that's fulfilling. I think that ties into the art of fulfillment. Um, so it's not just a monetary piece for me. Anything else you want to uh, put out to your UL and contact information for people to get a hold of you? Yeah. Uh, in the near future, we'll be launching a new website of www.mattorf.com. That's M-A-T-T-O-R-F as in foxtrot.com. 
I can be reached at Matthew at CarboniteProperty.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W at C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E-P-R-O-P-E-R-T-Y.com. Or you can schedule a meeting with me through Calendly. I'm assuming Lane is going to put all these contacts in the show notes. And they will be there for you to link to. All right, Matt. Thanks for coming on. We'll keep in touch, man. All right, Lane. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate your time and uh, best of luck to you. And we will talk soon. Thanks. Bye. All right. Take care. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.